What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Paperback Writer. Hi. It's Krista, and it's that time again. It's the um, the monthly reading room get-together. And we have the lovely Alan with us. Good afternoon. And the lovely Gail. Hello. And the lovely Steve. And the not-so-lovely Steve. Yeah. The, no, the lovely Steve. <laughs> and the lovely Krista, who I'm yeah. hosting it. And it's this number month, three, isn't it? It's number three, yes, yeah, it is number it three. It's gone fast, hasn't it? Just... I've been really enjoying it, getting back into books yeah. and, and not feeing, yeah. feeling guilty about sitting down yeah, all afternoon know, yeah. just reading. Yeah. I feel like it's a must because I'm on the radio, so that's, yeah. it's been liberating for me. It's been a great book. It was actually Steve's choice. We always pick out of a tambourine. Yeah, the tambourine of destiny. And um, it was Steve's <laughs> choice, the tambourine, tambourine of destiny, yeah. Uh, Cannery Row by John Steinbeck, who, and it was written in 1945. Uh, about a street in uh, California, isn't it? In Monterey, California, which um, produced the cans for um, sardines. Yeah, for the sardines, yeah. Um, and it was, a lot of it was based on characters, wasn't it? There wasn't much of a plot, but it was based on all the mm. characters. But, mm. I mean, some of it was actually pure joy to read. Mm. But I, I did get a bit bored with some of it as well. But I did love his all, all his descriptions. And I'll just start off by just giving one of the quotes that I thought was amazing, a beautiful piece of writing. And he, the way he describes the dusk, and he said it's the, it's the hour of pearl, the interval between day and night when time stops and examines itself. So I just absolutely loved that. But I did, I did really enjoy the film. Alan, on to you. What did you think? Um, well, I'm, I read the book originally at school. And I found it quite dual at first as a young person. Uh, having reread it, it's a totally different book. It's kind of, it's got a, an understated humour. And I suddenly realised that it's a series of vignettes where something happens and then the story is told from the perspective of the characters in the book. Yeah. Um, reading a bit further into it, um, I'm one of those sort of anoraks in life where I've been to Monterey myself, I've been to Carmel, which is where Steinbeck actually spent quite a bit of time living. And uh, Cannery Row used to be, as she said, a place where they uh, canned all the sardines. And in the space of about, uh, in space of about two years, uh, the, the sardines disappeared, and it went from it went from canning thirty one thousand tons of sardines in a year. It just dropped eighty seven percent of that. And once they moved out, and all the calories shut down. Funny enough, the sardines came back, and that, that reflects the uh, the cod fisheries in Newfoundland. Um, so forty years later. 
in terms of the book itself, um, it was. It always, to me, it starts off. In, it starts off in a bad place because it starts off in the depression. But the characters themselves, um, some are stereotypical, some are sort of actually written about Steinbeck characters. I mean, Doc, for example, uh, it's Ed Ricketts, who was for many years Steinbeck's best mate, and. Uh, he was a marine biologist, and he appears in the book as a scientist. Yeah, in a marine laboratory. So there's not you know, not an awful lot of imagination involved there. But um, I found some of the stuff that I found really really helpful uh, was the fact that um, having been there, uh, Canary Row was originally called Ocean Drive, and it's quite a well known place in Monterey. It runs. It runs. Uh, it runs literally through the centre, through the centre of uh, Monterey, and then out towards the coast road and, and up the coast towards up towards the coast towards Carmel and Napa Valley. Um, so if you're a wine drinker, yeah. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. which I mean, there's a lot of alcohol consumed, wasn't there, yeah, in, in, in the book? Yeah. But I suppose I mean, if you live in a place like that, well, when Mac and, Mac and the lads get together, Mac yeah, and, and have that party. Yeah. The stuff he sells, the, the Chinaman sells his yeah. stuff, old tennis, is it? Yeah, Lee Wong. Well, that was interesting. How he starts it off with the um, the grocery store yeah. that doesn't really close, and yeah. Um, yeah. how he's he actually lives on debt, doesn't he? He lives yeah. on off other people's debt. Yes. What about you, Gail? What What was your well, impression I of it? Absolutely, I loved it. I loved it that it was this eulogy to his best mate. And you, yeah. You, know, you just mentioned Ed Ricketts. Absolutely loved it. It was full of love, and you said as well, joy the whole of the way through. And the fact that he's dealing with, um, especially the the main group of people, the, the guys who live in the, um, the flop house, the yeah. flop house, yeah, yeah, Mac and the boys, pa- the yeah. palace flop house. Uh, you yeah. know they've got yeah. nothing, and <laughs> he writes about them so graciously and so sympathetically about their lives that I was just, I was just like. Oh, I'd love to have met John Steinbeck and had a little a little drink with him. So would I, yeah. He was, he was amazing. And, um, yeah, no, there's lots and lots of things. I loved the ecology about it, you know, about all, you know, the, the life is basically a miniature rock pool. And yeah. all walks <laughs> of life are in that rock pool. And there's, yeah. you know, there's hierarchies in there. There's violence in there, but there's also, you know, life in there. It's teeming yeah. with life, literally. And it yeah. depicts those characters, doesn't it, as being nice? Like, is it Dora yeah. who runs yeah. the whorehouse? Yeah. They've all and got great yeah. heart. She's yeah. been, all she's given them. a lot to, she's helped a yes. lot of people, hasn't she? So, isn't she? So even though she's running an illegal brothel, yeah. she's got a beautiful heart, and they all have. And Mac and the boys yeah. have got they beautiful hearts. They do instinctively they're... and lovingly. You know, the whole thing is just a love story about all these people. He obviously knew. I know that you know they might not be their names, but he obviously knew all these characters really yeah. well because he stayed yeah. there for a long time, didn't he? He, and there's a comradeship, yeah. isn't there? Sorry, we're, what were you saying, we're Steve? We're made up with, you know, you sort of, every single person who's in there has got a distinctive character. There's like Henri. Yeah. Hon- yeah. I can't <laughs> even say Henri. Yeah. The artist who's yeah. neither French yeah. <laughs> or, or really an artist because he makes things out of chicken feathers and then yeah. shells and then pins. Mm-hmm. And, and you just sort of like... In, in saying the little vignettes, they are actually all linked together, aren't they? In some yeah, way, you know. Yeah, I think they're linked. I think they're linked by the events. Yeah, yeah. In the story, because they're told 
they're almost told from that each character's point of view. Yeah. Um, whilst you were talking about uh, whilst you were talking about uh, Flora and and the brothel, um, she was actually based on a lady called Flora Woods who ran a whorehouse in Carmel. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So yeah. he did. He did base all its characters, yeah. and it was, of course, it was the Depression, but it was also the Second World War, wasn't it? Yeah. So it was. It was really it in was, a time when the whole yeah. world. But you don't really hear about the war at all, do you? It's no. that little place. It's like a little island. It's a microcosm. Yeah. That's yes. That's it. A microcosm. So, what was your opinion, well, Steve? Well, did you I, enjoy I, it? Well, you know, I picked it because it was thin. <laughs> okay, that's <laughs> interesting. Yeah. I don't like big books. No, know. it's a good idea to keep no. And, thin and the books. fact when I started reading it, it was like. It was separate incidents, and they only had like three or four pages where I could stop, not have to remember where I was, yeah. just to remember the number of the chapter, and then start again. And then as you go, as you start to go through it, you do sort of say, because it starts off with, with the Chinaman getting the debt, doesn't he? Lee yeah. Chong getting the debt, which turns out to be the flop house, doesn't it? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they want to rent it off him. Mm-hmm. Oh, Knowing yes. full well he's not going to get the rent. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes. He knows he's not going to get the rent. They know they're not going to pay, but they don't go. We're, we're trying to stiff this guy for the money. Yeah. It's just like, you know, this is how this is how we roll. We, you know, we promise yeah, this we, we promise do. stuff, but we don't actually deliver. Yeah. But like but, what Gail was saying before about the flop house, you know, they start getting bits of carpet and bits of chairs, yeah. and they get they get a what do you call they get a a big range, don't they? Which yeah. they can't carry down because it's too heavy. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's just like this idea that you know, there's the bit. There's the, there's the story going right the way through is you know so he says quite early on someone should throw a party for this guy for the yeah. doc he's the type of guy people should throw a party and of course the uh, what's his name uh, Mac and, Mac, the, and yeah. the men so yeah we're going to throw a party for him you know with, and he starts sort of planning this party mm-hmm. and one of the things is like we haven't got any money where are we going to get any money from oh, we'll go to doc get yeah. get him to get us to collect frogs which yeah. he'll pay us for so we can yeah. have the party. And then they get a they get an old Model T Ford going, yeah. which has just been on bricks, hasn't it? Yeah. They get it go and it breaks. Yeah. So they steal something off another Model T Ford. They, they, In the they, process yeah. to lose a whole character of the story. Yeah. He's yeah, gone. Yeah, he goes to get a part, yeah. and he, there's and like a paragraph go, about what he does. And it's eighteen like, months later, he's he, gone. he reappeared. Yeah. Like, and there's a little paragraph about well, uh, if he hadn't done this, this would have happened. If he hadn't done this, this would have happened. Big long thing like that, and and he would have got back a bit earlier because you know <laughs> yeah. he ended up in prison for eighteen months. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, yeah. You know, and and the little there's little characters in it who pop up and then they don't come. Frankie, Frankie, the little lad. You know, the, I thought that oh, was yes. brilliant. Yeah. Frankie, the description of the way Frankie sort of wheedles his way. Yeah. He's standing by the doorway for a week, he then he comes in a bit closer for a week. Yeah. And gradually, you know, Doc's yeah. seen him and, and he obviously, yeah. you know, thinks, what does he say, you should be at school? And he finds yeah. out no school will have him. He's obviously got learning difficulties or yeah. his family's really bad or something. Mm. And he doesn't turn up right until the sort of very end again. Mm. It must have been there all the way through it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, e- ecologically speaking, you know, sort of catching 800 frogs to send to a university yeah. in the Midwest you know, that's where all the frogs went, you know. It's a different world, wasn't it? It yeah, shows yeah. that, you know, that's you know, how you could deal much, with money. Yeah, yeah, there was that much wildlife. You know, yeah. Doc spent all his life collecting, you know, Yeah, fascinating character, yeah. yeah. And Lee Chong, you know, when he does like, you know, he has his grocery store yeah. and he just survives on, on the debt, but he also knows that he's, all the money is going to be spent in his shop. Yeah, yeah. So he's kind of, yeah. he's... Uh, very cool about so, lending well, it in a way because it's, like it, it's an internal economic system. It isn't really it? You know, is. It sort of feeds on itself. It's like you know, 
some some areas we we, we looked at this a few years ago because Brixton has its own pound. Oh it's really? Brixton pound. Well, so does Kenny, doesn't it? Well, apparently. we we invented the Kenny pound at one point, didn't we? It was only a fictitious one, but you know, the, even Liverpool City Council were talking about creating a, a you know Liverpool yeah. currency. Interesting. You, know, so you can spend in certain shops, and it mm. it, it does you know it, going on what happened in London, in. Yeah. Um, what did you say, Brixton? Oh, Brixton, yeah, yes. The, yeah. You know, it does increase the amount of business. Yeah. Um, and plus, you got a £20 note with David Bowie on. What, what more can you ask for? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, back to this. So anyway, so Steinbeck, it was one of his later books, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And um, he was one of the only authors of that time that actually made a living out of it, didn't he? Yeah. He, so he yeah. wrote loads of books, and, and um, I think he had, like, three marriages or something. Yeah. In his life, um, but there's a follow-up, isn't there, to the two um, yeah. Cannery yeah, uh, Row? Which, what's it called? Sweet Thursday. Yeah. And does that have the same characters as um, some? Of, some of the characters reappear, and I, having read uh, Cannery Row, I strongly recommend reading. Yeah. If you enjoy Cannery Row, mm, you yeah. will enjoy Sweet Thursday even more. It, it's it's much more accessible, um, as in it's the chronology. The, the narrative, the chronology is a, is a lot more consistent. Yeah, which which is a um, it's a criticism I'd level of Canary Row. If you don't, if you're not totally religious about the way you read it, you end up running around in ever decreasing circles. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I found that fascinating. I read the introduction to that book, whatever that this yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. a beautifully written yeah. introduction. Yes, and um, it was about. Um, oh God, I can't remember the thought I was going to say. That. Was it Mexican people? It was. No, there wasn't a documentary about was, a Mexican um, it was, no, tribe it was or something. That he'd written because he was known as a serious author. Yeah. And but when he was a war journalist, yeah. the soldiers said to him, "Oh, do us a favour, John, or whatever they called yeah. it. Do yeah. us a favour. Write something funny when you get back home." Yeah. Because yeah. he was yeah. going before they were returning yeah. home. Yeah. Yeah. So, but he claims in it, and that's it, he claims it. So there's that idea that he's writing for a sort of popular, entertaining piece yeah. of work. But also he said that nobody's ever discovered the levels to the, to this novel, and there are four levels to it. Right. Interesting. So that, that's what made me think, sorry, when you just said that, yeah. Alan, that, that, you know, I got the ecology bit of it, yeah. and yeah. then I got, obviously, the sort of post-depression era, the depression yeah. era and all that, but there's a couple of other layers in there. Yeah. I, no, I, I don't know, you know. Comradeship and, um, I, and even, I like... Suggest, yeah. I suggest in some respects, in some respects, I suggest there's a, a, a theme about loneliness going through there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, I I felt uncomfortable suggesting that, but the more I thought about it, the more I thought it was quite a valid thing to valid thing to raise. But there's there's such a close knit comradeship. Yeah. But everybody's their own individual, and slightly slightly disparate. Yes. Yeah. It was, and and the poverty is shocking, isn't it? When you yes. think about um, yeah. how they had to survive and how they lived, and and he, and he writes about. He writes about the challenges and the battles of that, but he writes yeah. so, I don't want to say positively, because it's not putting a positive spin, but he chooses it's to write the, the fantastic way that they bring all their resources together yeah. in order to sort of improve not just their own lives, yeah. but all their lives. You yeah. know, the boys in the flop house, they go, having just been given a roof, that was all they were given. Yeah. It's like, yeah. right, okay, and they can start yes. then, they can start building yeah. yes. you know, at home, you know, yeah. which they didn't have before. Mm. You know, so that's just the, the other thing, beautiful. Well, the other thing about it is 
you know, we've just gone through all this, you know, people being isolated and all this and, and all this mental, you know, depression through yeah. through and anxiety through people not being able to interact with each other, yeah. right? There was people with issues there, but there didn't seem to be many people with what you call mental health issues. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You know, it's sort of like, you know, the guys in the flop house, oh, we're going work for a couple of weeks. You know, mm. so people know we we can work. We'll stick not, with the job for a month. Yeah, and then yeah, we're just going to pull out yeah. again because we've got enough money for that. You know, yeah. so there was this sort of like very laissez-faire sort of attitude yes. to things, um, and everyone sort of got on with each other. You know, it was a proper community. You know, we mm. you talk about community, and I, I think that the word's been totally debate, debased in the last twenty or thirty years, really, by by organisations to say, "Oh, we're community." You know, community centric and all that type and of stuff. Politicians and politicians as well, as well yeah. And you think to yourself, that's a description of a proper community, proper interactions on all sorts of levels. Mm. You know, some people wouldn't go in the whole house, mm. but they'd go in there to sit and eat, you know, a cup of coffee or something like yes. that, but yeah. they wouldn't use it. I mean, doctor. And it was he? illegal, though, yeah. oh, the horse, yeah, but yeah. she wouldn't, didn't allow swearing, she did a, she? She used to and pay her taxes, though, didn't she? She paid, yeah, <laughs> double, didn't yeah. she? Because she, yeah. it was illegal, she had rubbed off that yeah. she had to pay double, yeah. but yeah. she was, like, really quite... quite Clean living yeah, in yeah, the actual yeah. whorehouse. Well, we say it's the oldest profession. Values, didn't she? She did. Yeah. But the, the two other things really. One is it'd make a great. I was thinking about like how you'd film because whenever I read a book, how would you make this into a film? And um, you, you're looking at it and you think because every time you because the, the, they're very short the vignettes, they're very visual, aren't they? Mm. Yes. You know, yeah. The bit when they go after the frogs and the blow comes down. When, with the gun and the, and the what are you doing oh, on my land? Right. You know, yeah. what are you doing, being yeah. in my, you know? Well, you know, and they start saying, "Well, we, your dog's not very well there, mate." It's cool, you know, so they all go back to the house to sort the dog out. <laughs> yeah. They get a free prop at the end of it, yeah. absolutely bladdered, yeah. and the rest and the rest of the thing, and, and they always justify. It. He says, "Well, you know, he didn't say we can't take the the booze. You know, he's got this barrel, old barrel with all this pre-prohibition uh, prohibition booze that he stuck away. Yeah. Well, he never told us no. we couldn't take it, you know what I mean? One of the other lines I love from that, those scenes in that chapter yeah. was that after he'd done the particular, he's, you know, he's obviously very articulate and charming, yeah. isn't he, Mac? And, one, and he'd said something, he'd stood up and said something and he'd, and he'd won round the captain. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one of the other lads just says, could have been president. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love that too. But the yeah. idea of filming it, you see, I thought, you know, you'd have to make a brilliant film out of this or a terrible film out yeah. of it. It'd have to be episodic. Yeah. You know, so if you had the Netflix series where it was like 30 minutes long, yeah. just one little well, bit from it. But there is a film, the film, there's a film on yeah. Netflix. It's 1982, I think, yeah. with Deborah Winger and I can't remember who else. But um, it's it's based on the two books. So, yeah. you know, uh, when I watched it, it kind of confused me a little bit because it is it's um, and it's, yeah. a, it's a love story. But yeah. I found it brilliant. The yeah. book it, it is called um, Cannery Row as well. Yeah. And um I think it was very clever, cleverly done with the characters. Yeah, yeah it stuck right. to the, the characters really. I so I did really yeah. enjoy it. But just one other thing, I, I love Dylan, and he sings about Cannery Row as well. It's a really mm. very very famous place, isn't it? That's actually yeah. there, yeah. you know, on records mm. and um, immortalised. Really, isn't it? That's yeah. that street it, and that. Alan, that, you've been there. Is there and a, you've been is, there. Is yes. Is there a sort of Steinbeck? Industry day. Um, Do they have a Steinbeck bus that goes round every day? Um, there wasn't when I was there. Steinbeck, but I believe now it does though. Steinbeck sardines. I believe now it's all yeah. yeah, It's quite posh and lots of restaurants and cafes and it's all yeah. It's it's touristy. Gentrified. 
was going to say he, he was much more gentle. He was much more of a gentleman than yeah. this Hemingway. And I, I've, to be honest, my my two American authors that I've, I've doted on really, for want of a better description, Mark Twain. Oh, Mark Twain's uh, brilliant. Yeah. yeah, Mark Twain and Ernest Hemingway. Ernest Hemingway, because I was introduced to Hemingway books by films. Um, Which is a good way to yeah, be introduced. It, I've never read any of Hemingway, actually. Hemingway, he's, if you're a depressive, give it a rest. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah don't, don't, if, you, if you feel down, if you feel down about he, he is, pardon my friend, he is a miserable so-and-so. Mm. Well, that was a good thing about Steinbeck in this yeah, book, wasn't it? It was uplifting a, and funny. There's a joie de vivre in both books. Um, what I was saying about Sweet Thursday is that the way, the way that was written was very much an homage to his third wife. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a proper love story. Oh. Is her um, name Susie? I to read that. Yeah, because yeah, she's in the film. Oh, it's yeah. the film is so good. It's a long film. I split it in half, but it was, yes, yeah, yeah. she's introduced... Yeah. In, in the uh, in the film, the other thing, yeah. the other thing, and I had to look back on this because when I read books, I I often forget. And I've been making notes today. The chapter when the young boy says something is it to a Chinaman. Don't even think it's Lee Chung. Oh, yeah. oh it's the, the mysterious Adora, Chinaman who Adora appears. Yes, with the, and it's like and there's thought, a bit of magic, isn't there? Yeah, and you know yeah. what, what they, what they call don't they uh, magic, magic realism. realism? Yeah, and I thought. Did I did I, did I read and I was going through like that because I kept going, looking through the chapters before. But yeah, there is that, and I thought, yeah. and there's not there was no more of that in it. No, just but the it one. It was just sort of like a you know it was like a tale of the unexplained, wasn't it? It yeah. was. Yeah. And doesn't he disappears? Does he? Does he throw his throw a shoe or something or rock at him? Yeah. And doesn't he just disappear? And this door, yeah, and he never sees yes. him. Again. No one's ever sees him after that. No one's ever seen him before. It's just this little interaction, and you're like going. That was very strange, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And the other thing was the first couple of pages when he introduces Canary Row, the writing in that, you know, where he has about, you know. Well, the the beginning, the first, the beginning of the the, um, camera coming in and like going through the town, yeah, looking at all these different things and the, you know, he talks about like the, it's it's a smell or something he has, you know, he has a big list. Yeah. yeah. Well, that opening, the opening line, how he describes that, I think, is just fantastic. I'll just read it to you, just the first line of it, which is, here we go. Um, Cannery Row in Monterey in California is a poem, a stink, a grating noise, a quality of light, a tone, a habit, a nostalgia, a dream. What a yeah. brilliant yeah. opening. Yeah. All, that, all that description. and um, he, He's quite poetic in his, in his, in his prose. He really is. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'm surprised, not surprised that he won the Nobel Prize, uh, but his... He did, didn't he? Won yeah. The, the, um, I think it was 1962. Um, In 1962, yeah, well done. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, I was, apropos of nothing else, uh, a few years ago, I had friends from Finland staying with me, and I took them to Churchill's house on a Saturday I took them to Kipling's house on Sunday because they're sort of 30, 40 miles each way, either way of where we're going. I suddenly realised I'd just taken, yeah, I'm not a particularly literary person, but I'd just taken very good friends to visit two Nobel, yeah. <laughs> two Nobel Prize winners for literature. <laughs> well, that's amazing, yeah. And, and I, I must have made some kind of impression because I know they, 
I know they went and started looking at writing Kipling's books. Um, so he's kind of said he started eating his cakes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, he makes it good yeah. books. He does, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely does. So yeah. you know, yeah. I'd recommend this to anyone, especially people who don't like to read books. Yeah, because it's, it's short a, and it's got yeah, short chapters. Yeah. Yeah. So just it's enjoy like diving any time. Yeah, they could be. Yeah, but they are interlinked, make, but they could be short yeah. stories. Yeah, as well. that, that kind of makes my point about it being a series of vignettes, yeah. seen from the seen from the point of view of the the various characters in the book. That's it's a literary device I, I've come across before, but I can't remember where. No. Which, to my shame, I'm afraid, but uh, it's, it is the case. It's, yeah. You know, so whether Steinbeck was the first person. To well, I'm now working on Kensington Road. This is the follow up. <laughs> well, that's a great idea. Yes, there was Steve that he'd read about the characters around. A series here. of radio vignettes. It'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? I you think know? a brilliant idea. But also, <laughs> just back to Canary Row, even though it is. You know, based in the past, I found a lot of it was quite contemporary as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. The way the, the relationships and, and his his use of language. I, 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 sometimes I thought, you know, he yeah. just doesn't seem to. He's not writing in the past like we had yeah. with them. Um, what was the last one? Yeah. Somerset Maugham, yeah, yeah. who was definitely it was like an old fashioned way of writing yeah, it. Yeah. I thought, yes, yeah, style. Yeah. Steinbeck was is really <laughs> quite. Um, modern and contemporary and and that some of the issues i mean he mentions the word clitoris yeah. in the book which yeah. i found was just you know really really contemporary and, and really quite um um risque I, risque some, and some, yes some of, his, some of his writing is actually quite bawdy if yeah. if you have a, a closed mind it could be considered it could yeah. be seen as quite bawdy but uh, yeah carrie wrote as a book i found it extremely accessible yeah and I would certainly recommend it to anybody. Just to so read the I. two chapters on the parties, the two parties. Yeah, yeah. The one that doesn't go so yeah. well and yeah. the one that goes yeah. really well. And we've yeah. all been to those t- two types of parties. Yeah. The ones that don't go very well. And yeah. the ones that everyone just ends up sort of. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the, the first one goes yeah. terribly, yeah. doesn't it? It and goes it awful. Up, you just know, don't yeah. you? Every you do. detail that he fills in, you know yeah. it's going to go pear shaped. Yeah. But yeah. the character, he took it so well, didn't he? I don't think yeah. a lot of people <laughs> yeah. would have acted like that, really. He did well, take it so he, well. That's because it was his friend, his best friend. Yeah. He loved yeah. his best friend. Yeah. yeah. He was, yeah. You know, he knew how magnanimous he was. Uh, yeah. But he also knew he couldn't pay him back. Didn't yeah. he? He yeah. knew that they'd never yeah. be able to pay him back, yeah, but so, so but he just Doc had to leave it. it. Doc knew it anyway. Yeah, uh, and he was, he comes uh, comes through the thing as uh, one of the most magnanimous characters in the book. Yeah, um, he he has the, he has the wherewithal to, to do it, and he'll do it for the, use it for the common good. He's a lesson for most of us, to be honest. Yeah, and he's the person everyone goes to. to you yeah, know? Exactly. he's the go-to person to ask a question about. Yeah. Whether it's legal or medical, or yeah. maybe it's a maybe it's a also got a level. It's about democracy because he's he's more educated, you know. He's clever. He's he's got all this stuff going on, and yet he's an equal with everybody else. Yeah. He doesn't. Yeah. There's no hierarchy to yeah. it. Yeah. They might see that, but he doesn't use it. He doesn't use it yeah. as power. So well, that, that's the other thing that's, the thing that's missing from it is is government, local or mm. national government. Yeah. It's mentioned now and then. But Isn't there a police car incident? Yeah, well, the police yeah. car joining the the police joining the party. Yes. The police car gets stolen. Yes, yeah, <laughs> and they report it yeah, stolen. Yeah. And it's found on the beach. Yeah, yeah. it's just hilarious. Yeah, you know. yeah. the plot. Yeah, but, uh, is I, the the story about the story about the party that went well. Yeah. Um, reminded me of uh, a piece in the book England, there England about a cricket match, and it's about thirty pages of a batsman who hits the ball up into the air. And there's a potential catch, 
20 pages later, the two fielders collide with each other and the catch yeah. is dropped. But it's I, it's like a, a long, drawn-out joke. Yeah. And I mean, the, there were there are some quite long, drawn-out jokes in this. And it's just... One of the things I'm enjoying about this, this is my, my first time here, but yeah. the things I'm enjoying about this, it reminds me about some of the other books I've read. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It also encourages you to get off your backside and read a bit more. Yeah. Actually find your backside and read a lot more. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, we might go on to the um, the interview with Dr. David Jackson, yeah. and then when we come back, we can give, you know, out of 10, what we yeah. think about the book, and we'll also pick out of the Magic Tambourine mm. next month's <laughs> yeah. reading room book. Okay, okay so I'll just... Um, I'll put on the interview and we'll come back in about 15 minutes. Hi, this is Krista from The Reading Room and this month's guest we have Dr. David Jackson. Now, um, welcome to Hi, the show, Hi. Dave. Um, I, I actually know you through your music, really. Yeah. Um, but you've done a lot, haven't you? You've done, you've done a PhD, you've done a master's and you've been working at John Moore's University for how long? Uh, since about well i started as a sessional in 2000 so it's like 21 years yeah <laughs> wow amazing yeah. so can you tell me you know uh, a bit about yourself and how you've got to this stage in your life when you have published a novel haven't you and you've also got yeah. a film so you're a script writer as well so yeah you I'll take the okay. mic well, and tell me I about yourself of, i mean i i started off writing songs for kind of uh in bands from the age of about uh, 19, I think I was. Yeah, when I started. Uh, so, uh, kind of at various bands. The first kind of semi-successful band I had was a band called The Room that we, we put out our own records on our own label and then got signed to an independent label and eventually got signed to Virgin and put out an album uh, with them called In Evil Hour. Which, and I've always... The songs that I've written have always been kind of influenced by writers that I read. So In Evil Hour, I think, is the title of a book by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. And uh, a lot of my early writing was influenced by writers like J.G. Ballard and, you know, science fiction writers that I grew up reading. So after The Room, I had a band called Benny Profane uh, that lasted about five years as well. And we, we toured... Uh, the Room toured America and uh, kind of uh, and Britain, played with bands like The Fall and uh, The Violent Femmes and loads and loads of independent bands. And Benny Profane kind of carried on that tradition, but on independent labels. So The Room put out about three albums, Benny Profane put out uh, two albums and various EPs. And then after that band split up, I had Briefly, I've always, uh, most of the bands that I work with uh, had uh, Becky Stringer playing bass. Uh, I think you know her sister, Alan. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so with Becky, we formed a band called Dust that kind of transformed into a band called Dead Cowboys. Uh, and we put out two albums with Dead Cowboys. In the meantime, I realized that I was becoming kind of unemployable <laughs> in terms of making money because, you know, it realized that I wouldn't be able to make enough money to live on, you know, just doing bands. So I went back and did a degree in English and creative writing. 
vended an MA in screenwriting and started, after I graduated, I started a PhD in creative writing and wrote a novel for my PhD, a kind of fantasy novel called Violet City. Okay. And uh, So what inspired you to write a, a fantasy novel? It happened while I was studying uh, my on the creative writing course. The guy who taught me on the course was very much into fantasy fiction, and it reminded me of the stuff that I, you know, by then I'm in my 30s, so, you know, kind of thing. Uh, but it reminded me of stuff that I was reading when I was in my teens or, you know, pre-teens even, you know, writers like Michael Moorcock and stuff like that. So I decided to have a go at writing, you know, a, a novel in that vein. How long did it take you to write the novel? Well, it, it kind of, it, it took me about 10 years off and on because it started as an idea for a, some song lyrics, <laughs> as a lot of my ideas do, and also turned into a very rough screenplay. And then I, when I decided to write it for my PhD, I had to turn this rough screenplay into a, into a novel and fill out the character's world and all that kind of stuff. And it became a completely different thing. And as I finished my PhD, um, a colleague of mine who wanted to direct a film read the book and said, let's turn this into a film. And because it had already had a rough screenplay behind it in the first place, it was easier. So basically, that took me a month to turn the novel into a screenplay. That's quite amazing, well, really, we isn't it? Production, yeah. And then we filmed it. And then it took a very long time to, to edit the film because we were doing it in our... Uh, John Maxwell, who kind of directed and did all the b- backgrounds because it was all shot on green screen. Oh, so we had to build the whole world behind, you know, kind of the characters and stuff like that. Uh, so that took us something like another... F- five or six years I think and then we finally got um, somebody to uh, a, a platform for uh, kind of TV uh, got it onto Amazon Prime so it was on Amazon Prime for about two years and then and it's now free to watch on YouTube so you can actually see the film. I'll have to watch it again, can you give us the link for YouTube, can you say yeah, the link yeah, for the get, for the yeah. audience, what is yeah. the link to watch that? Oh, I think if you just type in Violet City movie into YouTube, you'll, you'll find it. Excellent Violet yeah. City movie, yes. Yeah. I have seen <laughs> it. It was actually or, brilliant. Yeah. So, and tell me about your work. You work at John Moore's. I work at John Moore's and I teach, I teach uh, a module called the, the Fantastic, which is introducing students to science fiction, horror, fantasy writing, and that kind of you know, weird fiction in general. I also teach a module on myth in the first year where we kind of introduce students to myths from around the world kind of thing. And I teach screenwriting modules as well. And I've been doing that for, you know, a long time. So can anyone uh, join in those courses or do you have to be doing the degree and it's part it's of the a, degree? It's a degree course, so... You, you'd you need to do the degree or the, there's a writing MA as well at the, and a screenwriting MA at John Moore's um, I, I think that there are plans at John Moore's to possibly have 
little introductory courses for people, you know, to to look into, you know, things. But at the, at the moment, what I mainly teach on is is a degree course for, you know. That's amazing. Students. And have you got any highlights of your career that you'd say that was something that I really am proud of? I mean, I know you've done a lot, but what would you say oh, was one of the highlights? I suppose in terms of early on was uh, one of the albums that inspired me to want to be in a band was an album called Marky Moon by a band called Television. And Tom Verlaine, who was the main guy in television, ended up producing several tracks by us when we were signed to Virgin. So that was kind of, you know, to have somebody who's a hero producing your work. Possibly touring with bands like The Fall. And and we went to the Soviet Union just in 89, just before, you know, the whole thing fell apart. Uh, things like that tour in America. Um, do you find writing easy, or do you, do, you, do you ever get writer's block? I think <laughs> writer's block doesn't really exist. I think it's a fancy excuse for laziness. I like that. I absolutely like that. <laughs> you because know, yeah. uh, you hear people saying, "Oh, I've got writer's block," as that, and you say, "Did you catch it off some other lazy person?" But <laughs> I like that. <laughs> we. I mean, I, the, the, there are times when it's difficult to continue with stuff, but it's supposed to be hard. Do you know what I mean? If it was that easy, you know. Uh, and also, one of the things I quite liked about, say, that I mean, there is a notion where you might take a project so far and you can't think of what to do next and maybe just do something else, you know, and then come back to it later is, is what I think, yeah. you know. Do you consider yourself more of a musician or a writer or or a, a teacher? I, I mean, I don't really know. I mean, to a certain degree, my first love is doing the music thing, but I don't. I'm not actually a musician because I don't play anything. I write lyrics and I, um, I, I can pick out a tune if somebody plays me a guitar riff. I can find a melody line that'll lead me through it and fill in the gaps with words kind of thing. But I don't regard myself as a musician as such. I mean, I have kind of written songs where I've thought of a melody in my head and then sang it to someone who would pick out the, you know, kind of the, the notes or whatever, but I can't play anything, so <laughs> I'm and, not a musician. Okay, but you can sing, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you think that someone can learn how to write or do you think it has to be in you, a passion that's in I, you I think that it, comes out? I think you can learn how to write because I did, I did the creative writing course and it kind of... I think to a certain degree it just allows you a space. It's like maybe art college or something like that, you know, where you sometimes people need kind of a spare or, a, you know, you know, a carrot or a stick to get them, you know, to do stuff. So a deadline is quite good. You know, yes. if you've got a deadline, you've got to write something or otherwise, you know, uh, you've. Yeah. <laughs> you fail to yourself, as it were. I like that too. <laughs> you know, the the that it becomes a kind of spur to create, I think, you know? And sometimes really daft ideas that you you come up with on the spur of the moment can develop into something better. And um, with your students, have you had any students that have come on to be very successful after you yeah, going to Yeah, I think we've had students who've, who've, who've made films and kind of, you know, unwritten novels. There's a... A writer called James Rice, who was a student at 
John Moores. I mean, I I remember, and, and he now teaches there occasionally. But he's you know he, he's quite a young, young writer, but is you know getting good reviews and published. And, and stuff like that. Cool. So, um, what else have you written besides your, your book Violet City? You've written poems, um, have you? Sorry, have, have you I... written poems as well? Well, there is that. Kind of, I mean, I've got a book of song lyrics published by a kind of poetry imprint, Headland, uh, which is Gladys Mary Coles's kind of uh, imprint. And I think there's a big difference between song lyrics and, and poetry, but in some ways, apart from poetry that I kind of studied at school, you know, like T.S. Eliot and stuff yeah. like that. I'm more interested in song lyrics than I am in poetry. Okay. <laughs> I don't, and in a way, poetry started off as lyrics. You know, yes. the, the, the whole kind of idea of the mnemonic of, you know, kind of rhyme and repetition yes. is comes from kind of storytelling and quite often these things would have been sung, you know? Yes, yeah, that's so, actually really interesting. Um, yeah. Okay. So, have you got any advice for anyone who would want to write? Anything you could think of to give to up, up and coming writers or potential writers? Well, I would say write. <laughs> yeah, write every day every or something. Day or yes, do, or do something like that. There's a great book by a guy called, especially for kind of fantasy and science fiction writers, a book called The Wonder Book by uh, Jeff Van der Meer, who's kind of uh, contemporary kind of weird fiction writer. Uh, I think the film Annihilation is based on one of his uh, novels. Uh, and he sets lots of different exercises. You know, for instance, he'll, there'll be a weird picture. And he'll ask, you'll say, you know, okay, 10 minutes, tell us a story about this picture. Oh, I love that idea. That, that, that sounds great. Exercise. So I think finding kind of inspiration of, you know, listening to people on the bus or in bars and, you know, you might hear a sn snatch of conversation and think, what's the story behind that? Or where could I take that story and turn it into something else? Absolutely amazing. Thank you so much, Dr. Dave Jackson. <laughs> now, you, you said you'd read something out for us. What okay. have you chosen to read out? This is kind of, I mean, it's still in progress because... It's something that I'm going to do with the, the guy that I'm working with at the moment, Paul Cavana, uh, in the room in the wood, said he doesn't want to write songs anymore, and that, uh, but he'd be interested in doing something that was a bit different. So what I've tried to do is write a kind of, kind of write a rhyming screenplay, or well, not rhyming, kind of poetic screenplay that he's going to do the soundtrack for, but it's a kind of aural screenplay as it were instead of a you know to be filmed sounds brilliant well take the mic the, it's called the teller and it's i'll just do the beginning of it it's Great. about a guy who turns up in a in a forest that might be a bit like the black forest okay right he comes singing through the forest scrolls and clocks slung on his back got a head brim full of stories and we'll spill some for a bed Startled shepherd in a pasture, sees him first and blows his horn and races back to warn the village, stranger striding from the pines. By the time he's in the main square, they're all gathered at the well. Most are eager to hear gossip from the world beyond the wood. But the butcher and the baker, dark suspicion in their eyes, voice a challenge to the stranger. But the teller merely smiles. Who will listen to a story? 
of a hamlet like your own, fearing God but scared of spirits when out hunting far from home. The butcher and the baker are outvoted by the crowd, so the teller clears his throat and unfurls one of his scrolls. It shows a woman silhouetted and a raven and a wolf, sketched on yellow parchment, and the teller's tale begins. What follows are events, I am told, occurred not far from here, of dark love and what came after under raven-haunted skies. Working in the meadow, Jack saw her through the trees, her as black as corvid wings, face as pale as milk. She held his stir, then disappeared, branding him on sight, besotted and bewitched him, made him quite forget his promise to another and only want the strange girl from the wood. Soon after, hunting in the forest in a clearing, trained his crossbow on a cropping doe. But as Jack fired, blur of grey crashed from the undergrowth. The grey wolf fell, Jack's target's broken neck gripped in dead jaws. He called out in amazement to companions nowhere near, and as he bent to loose his prize, another snarling wolf appeared. It leapt and fell Jack, pinioned him beneath its claws, and then became the girl with raven hair. When the hunting party found him, he was silent, seeming dazed. They trust the deer, skin the wolf, but Jack said nothing on the long walk back. Despite questions, even pleading, in the days that followed, Jack stayed silent still. He worked his chores, but stayed apart, withdrew completely from his bride-to-be. An unkind cloud of ravens hung above the settlement for days, Beyond the narrow river bridge, the forest howled to the laments of beasts. Fevered dreams were had by all, dark omens from a world beyond their reach. Some fingered pagan talismans kept hidden from their God-fearing priest. She came out of the forest one night, trod upon a full moon-silvered path, crossed the narrow river bridge where Jack stood, waiting to be led. She took his hand, and they retreated to the pines. Four days later, calm as millponds, they returned and went brazen to the priest. As the man of God to wed them, then and there, Jack and pale Rusalka from the trees, the priest held up his crucifix, chased them. They fled howling from his church. He called upon the villagers, expel this pair of devils from our midst. Wow. Oh, my God. That's amazing. I would love to know more. That's absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for coming. And um, yeah, I'll see you soon. I'll see you next time you're standing in front of me. Okay. All right. Bye now. (laughs) Bye. Okay. Well, that was um, the interview with Dr. David Jackson, who's an amazing screenwriter. He's, um, He's written books and poetry. And he teaches at the John Moores University, he teaches screenwriting, and he's also a singer in, in various bands. So that was absolutely brilliant. He's, um, he's just amazing, really talented person, and really appropriate to have him on the reading room. Someone yep. so successful and so talented and so good. So now it's the time to um, pick out of the magic tambourine. 
<laughs> the next book for the reading room. And by the way, everyone, if you want to get involved, you can get the book out of the library yourself and you can come down and discuss the book with us for the, and the next month. Or you could phone in. If you didn't want to come down, you yeah, could phone, phone in and, phone and, in, yeah. and discuss yeah. it and give Big your opinion. Yeah, yeah, see what you think about Speak it. We'd love to have you. Yeah. Um, okay, so shall we do right, this? I think, I think Alan, because Alan's book yes. based his cherry, hasn't he? His reading room cherry. <laughs> Absolutely. There you go, Alan. There you go, Alan. Yeah. Oh, I think, I think it's it's the suspense one. is I killing me. Cheating, yeah. Down the rabbit hole, one public feel in the bush. Okay, oh, that should be interesting. That. Yes, how can you tell? <laughs> how did you know? Please God, please well, God, tell me it's not going to be like Watership Down. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't. No, I don't think it is. I think it's actually about a um, a drug dealer in Mexico, oh. and the story is told through the eyes of his ten-year-old son. Yeah. That's what I believe it is. Yeah. So it looks, it sounds quite interesting, and it was a bit more modern. I think it's like 1973. Yeah. Yeah. I thought let's get up to a bit yeah, more yeah, kind of contemporary yeah. stuff. To the 21st century. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, got, <laughs> I got slaughtered by, by my own children uh, talking about Watership Down because I, I read it and I got bored senseless. Yeah, so you've got to get the right book, haven't um, you? Yeah, I, I said to him, 400 pages just across a road. What do you think I am? <laughs> <laughs> Funny. Okay, well, I think that's the end of it right, now, okay, actually. So it's lovely to have you all here. Thank you, you, Alan. So what, thank, thank you, Gail. Read it again, Alan, because you read it. You, you, you pronounced it. Go on. Um, it's, it's down, down the, the rabbit, rabbit hole. hole. And who is the, uh, the author? I think uh, it's Mexican. Phila Lobosh. Yeah, that's it. Have you heard um, of him? Yeah, uh, but mainly because I know the name Hector Phila Lobosh, who's a... Uh, classical composer. Yeah, mm, okay, interesting. Yeah. Right, I didn't know that. So, um, yeah, so we'll, we'll I'll mention that again when I'm on um, on air on a Tuesday. So, if, in case you forget what the book is called, and um, anybody <laughs> who wants to join yeah. in, you're very, very yeah. welcome. And that was a wonderful afternoon. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Gail. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Alan. Thank you so much. Thank you. And goodbye from me. So, yep. Yeah, hopefully, see you all in the future. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.